0: I have four pages of Holy notes. shit. Go for it. Um, we got to... Are we warmed up? Sure. Yeah.
1: You are listening to episode nine of the Sub Pop podcast. I am Arwen Nix here with Alyssa Atkins, the first plant to grow after the apocalypse. Oh, that's
2: so lovely. I think it's Thank true. you. Yeah. Episode 9, 9 of 10. I know, the season's almost over. I'm feeling pretty good about that. How do you feel? Sad. <laughs> <laughs> relieved?
1: Yes, I am, I am a mix of both sad and relieved. Yeah. Maybe our listeners feel the same way. Maybe. <laughs> I think, <laughs> really? you know, I'm going to take the summer to work on season 2 with you and also uh, try to figure out how to stop saying like so much. Oh, it's impossible. I know. Just lean into it. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> leaning into the like episode nine of the Sub Pop podcast. It's a good one. It is a good one. Who are we going to hear from? Today on the podcast, we will be hearing from the members of Chastity Belts and um, Mike Kanka from Godhead Silo and Enemy Mine and now Mike and the Melvins. Mike and the Melvins. Holy shit. Incredible. Yeah. There's
2: a lot. There's a lot to be learned there.
1: How many years did it take for that record to actually come to fruition not quite two decades maybe (laughs) (laughs) that guy
2: is so interesting
1: oh my goodness I cannot wait to play that interview I think that of all of the many guests that we've had that I've fallen a little bit in love with like Mike Kunkka might have knocked Nathan out of the top wow for your heart yeah (laughs) and like now I kind of don't ever really want to talk to him in real life because he's just perfect in my mind from this interview right because yeah he's my Suzanne Vega
2: (laughs) 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 but first let's hear from Chastity Belt Hardly Art's own Chastity Belt Mm -hmm. you talked to them a couple of times am I not mistaken am I mistaken you are not mistaken
1: nay Alyssa you are not mistaken (laughs) um I did speak with Chastity Belt a few times I I know the members of that band I'm friends with them and I think they're wonderful little treasures but the first time I talked to them was right before they were supposed to go on tour. And Julia was having some trouble with her voice, so she wasn't there. And I was asking Lydia and Annie and Gretchen about their first European tour. European tour? T- P and tour with Death Cab for Cutie, right? Yeah, they were going to do the first half of the tour on their own and then they were meeting up with Death Cab for Cutie and they were so excited and when I went over to Annie and Gretchen's house they were packing that night for their tour (laughs) and so much of the conversation while I was setting up my equipment was like, which sweatshirt am I going to bring and are we all going to listen to Lord of the Rings' book on tape and, you know, Annie's cat was being a dick and it was just adorable. Pre-tour jitters. Pre-tour jitters and excitement and... It was a great interview, but then they got back and I heard from a friend that they had been robbed. Yeah. Yeah. And like scary, well, I mean, is there such a thing as not scary robbed? But they had some tales to tell. They had some tales to tell. So I went back over to Annie and Gretchen's apartment and sat down with Julia, Lydia, Annie, and Gretchen. So this is, this is Chastity Belt talking about what happened when they were touring through Europe in an RV. All right.
3: We were about 10 days into the tour, or like 10 shows in. And we just played a show in Bristol, <laughs> which is like west the western part of England. And we were driving all the way to Barcelona. So that was was like like 20 hours. Yeah.
1: Wait, how are you guys traveling on this tour?
3: Oh, we were in an RV. (laughs) Yeah,
4: and we had to make that drive like overnight. Like we played in the evening. We played at like 4 p.m. or something in Bristol, and we had to be in Barcelona by the next night Mm -hmm. to play a show.
3: We were like, all right, we're up for it. This is cool. Or. Our tour manager is going to drive the whole way, so... And
4: it was worth it, because Barcelona was our biggest guarantee, so we were like, it's, it's worth it to make this long drive so that we can make some money and maybe break even on this tour.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> so, I don't know, we were all asleep at this point. Um, it was maybe like five or six in the morning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... We wake up to just... I guess I heard our tour manager talking with this other girl, Maria, who was joining us for that drive. Um, and I was like, huh, sounds like they're talking about something serious.
5: She pulled over at this like service station in France at just, like you're probably like 3 in the morning, just to sleep for like a couple hours because yeah. she was doing all the driving. So that's when the robbery happened.
3: I kept hearing her be like, I just saw a flash of light. That's all I saw. Yeah. Um, and then I guess she realized that all of our money was gone. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know, know the exact <laughs> number, but like what did we estimate like four thousand dollars pounds pounds Oh. Yeah. Three or 4,000 pounds, (laughs) yeah, but we definitely, that was like, those 10 days was when we sold the most merch,
4: because we were headlining those shows, and most of them sold out, even though there were smaller places, they did sell out,
3: and yeah, the crazy part of it was we all slept through this thing, and when we woke up, everything was like, essentially in its, like, the same place, like, it didn't seem like anything had been moved early. Yeah,
4: and just like, so there were six of us in this small RV. And so two people on the top bed, two people in the back bed. Maria was sleeping in the middle And Deidre was sleeping in the driver's seat Right next to her backpack And so somehow someone got in through the passenger door Rifled through her backpack Because mm-hmm. they rifled through everything So that they just took cash
3: Out of like multiple wallets yeah. Like yeah, like And there like phones
5: around, laptops Yeah,
3: yeah They didn't take none anything laptops. that that could have been tracked So they didn't take yeah. passports
4: or iPhones And no one, none of the six of us In this like really tiny vicinity Woke up for this
1: Yeah. So the the working theory is that you guys were gassed. And where did that idea come from?
3: My mom emailed me to say like Skip was my dad. She's like Skip was looking up um like news stories related to uh, robberies in France and RVs. And he saw something about people getting gassed in RVs specifically. Um and I guess what they do is they just, like, put a tube through a vent, and there aren't any side effects. People just pass out, and then they wake up, and all their money's gone. And I was like, that's ridiculous. That sounds crazy. And then Then Maria Someone said she had also heard of it.
4: Yeah. And she was like, well, maybe it's good you guys had all that cash, because I've heard of people getting their organs stolen while they're <laughs> passed out. <laughs>
3: I think we were all just like really glad that we were safe. Yeah. But also, but.
4: when our tour manager returned the RV to the RV rental place, they said also that they, that altogether there were like 20 to 30 reports in France of people doing of that, of gassing RVs and stealing from them. And that people sometimes would even like, if they see an RV driving, they'll follow you until you stop and then gassing and stealing
3: and shit. Why are you shaking your head now, Annie? No,
4: it's just, it's scary.
1: <laughs> it's just, like,
5: unreal. So that, it's like unreal.
3: Before they, um, rented
1: yeah, the RV.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so after you guys realize that all of your cash is gone, what did you do?
5: Mm-hmm. Well, we had a show to make we that had, night, yeah, that so...
1: Were you scared at all continuing in the RV for the rest of your date?
3: Terrible vibes in there. Because the next, the very next night, we got robbed again. Yeah, that I didn't feel unsafe until that double whammy. That's what really. So we stayed in a hotel in Barcelona. That was like, kind of like our first night out of the RV. We were like, like, yes, get to like have this nice hotel. This is great because we don't, we don't feel safe in the RV anymore. Yeah. Um, and then the next morning. We wake up, open the RV, and it's just completely trashed. Um, yeah, they, like, ripped the
4: cupboards. They broke the table that was in the middle because they were just rifling through trying yeah. to find stuff. And, like, luckily, after the night before, I was like, I am bringing every single one of my possessions Yeah, to
5: this yeah. A hotel room. <laughs> so. Yeah, the only thing that got stolen mm-hmm. were our tour guides or our tour manager's mm-hmm. ex-boyfriend speakers. Yeah.
3: And
4: some drum parkins, Oh, and right? some We're drum, drum hardware that we rented so that um, we had to pay for that too in the end.
3: Yeah. And some records, I think. Oh, oh some yeah. Hard. Some of yeah. our uh, merch that was in there. I mean that's
0: a
1: little flattering, right?
3: Yeah. 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 yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> Spread it around. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's after the. I didn't feel that unsafe after the first one. I was like, okay, that's a fluke. Like we've never had anything like this happen, and most bands have. So it's like that was our stroke of bad luck. But then after the second night, when it was like, okay, you can clearly just take a crowbar to the window and yeah, tear it open. It just seems so easy. It seems so that, yeah. The right so mm.
3: the rest of the tour though, our tour manager slept in the RV. Yeah. Just to make sure that didn't happen again. But so that was our first day off. Was the day after Barcelona, and we spent it at, like, an RV repair shop, which actually ended up being really fun. It was Um, in, like, the middle of nowhere, because it was, like, over an hour outside of Barcelona. Yeah.
4: not, I don't, there was, like, a tiny little town. The (laughs) next day in Barcelona,
5: we were walking around, and we were like, so do we go home now? (laughs) but it's kind of cool, I don't know, it's, I think in the end, like, looking back on it
4: now, I feel like it something we kind of could bond over and just I mean, make us stronger. Even that day off at the tiny little RV repair place where the guy working there was so nice to us and we called him our new dad <laughs> and they let us sleep there and they had like gates so we were like locked in and no one could get in and we felt and we like made dinner like our tour manager made us like mussels and pasta and I think we, we were all just like city. we watched Sex in the City. We were all just like we're at such a like... Low right now that like like fuck it like nothing <laughs> like I can't really feel bad about anything else right now you know yeah, so yeah.
3: I kind of worse. had like that feeling like nothing is mine yeah. like yeah. I felt like yeah. I just didn't own anything because it just felt like it could be taken from me yeah. at any point which like was like kind of a freeing feeling totally. in a way yeah it was it just was like too.
5: it was like a reset button in a weird way
3: yeah kind of really goes, okay well here we go start out start yeah. over. <laughs> yeah.
2: It would have to be a bonding experience wouldn't you think erwin
1: i think so i i have to say that i'm a little surprised by how close-knit chastity belt is like they are they really do just braid each other's hair in the van when they're on tour and they are always chatting with each other and i remember talking to them a little bit about like well don't you ever just want some time alone like putting your headphones on and ignoring your bandmates so you can have some space. And they looked at me shocked like I was a monster. Like, no, Why would you do that? We love each other. It's a it's a really sweet chemistry that they all have together. They've been friends for a long time. And um, I think it speaks well of them and appropriately of them that they bonded over this experience.
2: Did they all go to school together, too? They did. Yeah. All of them?
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Where did they grow up? That's how they met. They grew up in different places. But... Oh. They went to school in Eastern Washington, I believe. Oh. Mm -hmm. Let us know. Let (laughs) us know on Twitter, won't you, (laughs) ladies? (laughs) But there's there's actually a documentary that was made about Chastity Belt when they were in college. What? Yeah, that someone who went to school with them made this documentary on the band when it was first getting started and we'll we'll link to that in the show notes it's pretty incredible were they
2: chastity belt from the start or did they have they've a been wearing that
1: chastity belt for a long time wow okay yeah. so it wasn't like
2: they used to be known as
1: not to the best of my knowledge huh. yeah, yeah. that's cool yeah
2: great ladies um you know what it feels like it's time for a mega mart ad oh i have one. Oh, oh let's hear it <laughs>
0: Let's go into a loser.
5: Inf- <laughs> I wasn't recording any of that. You weren't? No.
0: Let's do it again. Okay. Let's, we'll just do the three of the three of them. Okay.
1: I'm ready. Am I allowed to be enthusiastic?
0: Yeah. Can't, do you yeah. need
1: to reel it in a little bit? No. Okay. Sub Pop Mega Mart.
0: Frequently wrong, never in doubt.
1: Sub Pop Mega Mart.
0: Get all your ducks on the table.
1: <laughs> Sub Pop Mega Mart.
0: Been there, done that, got the water bottle to prove it. I liked that better. Me too. I don't like the. Got the water bottle to prove it. (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) You know I'm gonna use that. Yeah.
2: Megamart ad number nine. I'm really loving those.
1: They're fun to make. I wonder, listeners, dear listeners, if you are enjoying the Megamart ads. As much as we are. As as are. we, we are.
2: alone <laughs> enjoying those Megamart ads? I think Stuart's starting to really like doing them. I
1: think so, too. He gets excited. He's getting yeah, a little territorial, too. As excited too. as he can get. Right? As excited as Stuart Fletcher can get. You have heard him get in these Megamart ads. Well,
2: actually, though, I think that he was pretty excited to interview Mike Kunkka. One of his few interviews in the Sub Pop podcast. Yeah, and it's brilliant.
1: It's a great interview. I love what he did.
2: Um, actually, I feel like he's better able to talk about to set that interview up.
1: Do you want to go grab him and we'll ask him? I about should it? get out. Yeah, let okay. me go get him. So Stuart, I know you're super busy. In fact, you just got some news today that you're gonna be busier maybe in the next three weeks than you've ever been. Maybe. Um, So that's exciting news. So I'll make this quick. How long have you been friends with Mike Kunkka?
0: I'd say since, well, I met him in Olympia. I moved there in 1991. He, Godhead Silo was probably moving there around the same time.
1: Stuart, what was your first impression of Mike Kunkka?
0: I thought both Mike and Dan, the members of Godhead Silo, were s- were sort of a little standoffish.
1: <laughs> um, did that change your impression?
0: Um. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that was. Pro- it was probably more me. You know how an animals usually more scared of you than you are of it. Is that? Did I say it
1: right? I think you said it correctly.
0: Um. I was probably just more scared of them than they were of me.
1: <laughs> so what happened? How'd you guys become friends?
0: I can't really say.
1: So now that you've known Mike Kunkka for nearly a quarter of a century, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when we wanted to have him on the podcast, it made sense for you to interview him because you knew him so well. And you guys started out talking about how the Mike and the Melvins record, like what happened, like how it first started and then how it's finally coming out but what is the Mike and the Melvins record exactly?
0: It's a record that Mike made with the Melvins (laughs) uh, starting in nobody seems to be able to remember exactly when it began but maybe 98 99
6: They were on tour with Tool, opening for Tool, and I really like Tool, especially at that time, which was the Enema I- record. I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, it's probably pronounced Enema, but yeah, whatever. I love that record. I used to sit and listen to that record in the dark. I mean, and just cry my eyes out. Wow, like, to me that just was the most beautiful record. so I asked if I could go with and they said of course so I just rode in the van and did some base tech stuff like I tried to make myself useful but mostly I was getting to see Tool for I think I saw like 17 shows or something over three weeks and while we were in the van they were asking what was up with Godhead Silo and at the time we were kind of Dan had basically severed his arm yeah yeah so we were kind of We weren't done breaking up because we weren't breaking up or anything because we didn't like each other, but it was like a practical thing. Dan needed two or three years of rehab to even be able to squeeze a drumstick again. Yeah. So they said, What if we make the next Godhead Silo? Why don't we just be Godhead Silo for the next record? And I said, Nah, that's not my. Like, Godhead Silo is me and Dan. Like, I'm not really. I can't just... When there's only two people, it's harder to just interchange members, right?
0: Totally. Yeah.
6: And I didn't want to break up because he got hurt. Like, I think that's a really bad way to lose your job, you know? They said, well, then, you know, let's do a record that's you and us. And I was like, nah, it doesn't seem like a good idea. (laughs) It doesn't seem like a good idea. I mean, it still kind of doesn't. And I didn't think much of it, and I came home, and I mentioned it to my wife, and... She told me how stupid I was being. (laughs) And at that time, they hadn't really asked anybody to make records with them, and I thought, well, that's... I mean, I was really flattered, but I don't consider myself their equal, or, like, I didn't feel like I would be an equal partner in that project.
0: I I could... I mean, Mel... Right, there's There's Melvins. Melvins.
6: Yeah, I mean, that's all you gotta say, right? And I... But then... And then something happened with the studio we were working with. There's a lot of stuff nobody can remember. And something happened that I can remember Buzz saying, I'm not in fucking junior high anymore.
0: Like having to deal with some kind of bullshit situation. Something was
6: fucked up, yeah. Right. Um, I- and for me, like it doesn't take much to kill momentum and once it's the break parking brakes on it's on like you just put it up on blocks and it's never leaving the driveway so that kind of is what happened with me you know fast forward 16 years and we all i started talking to them about finishing it and we came to see them on october 18th for their sound check to like settle on the recording dates and that while i was talking to them somebody robbed my storage garage and stole all my musical equipment yeah that like that night So I got home and I thought, okay, well maybe like the world is, I mean, I'm not like super tripped out or anything, but I'm like, okay, like you, you finally fucking got it together to get studio time. And while you were doing that, somebody stole all your, like your 30 years of accumulated musical equipment. Yeah. Maybe just stop, like, stop, like just stop. Yeah.
0: October 18th, 2014
6: Yeah And I know it was the 18th Because the guy who stole all my stuff He left a, re- a bunch of food Like he had been in there for a couple of days So he left a bunch of food and a receipt And um, some people Saw him going in and out that night So it was like is this really strange coincidence that, like, when I finally decided after that long to start making music again, while I was setting it up, somebody was making it almost impossible for me to do? Yeah. He that, stole the hard drive that had all the tracks on it. Actually.
0: And, but and you recovered
6: that? No, nothing. I had a backup oh. on an old old computer. Holy shit. I'll, you know, and I would periodically go on the internet and look myself up, and people would be talking shit about me because it's an opportunity that people would really like to have, you know? It's like some dude in Norway is really bummed that I didn't finish it.
0: Oh, because like word is out that Mike and the Melvins is. Yeah, from
6: they talked about it in like 1998 or 99. Like, yeah, we made this record with Mike Kunkka, so it's coming out. It's called Three Men and a Baby ha ha, ha. Mm-hmm. it's coming out on sub pop. And then it never happened. Mm-hmm. And then people would ask the Melvins, like, what's happening with that? And they'd be like, I have no idea. And they'd be like, where's Mike Kunkka? We have no idea. Yeah. And I like, that's fine too, you know? Like, I like not, people not, it's not like you couldn't find me, but, uh, you know, you just stopped trying after a while. Right. So, And that was totally, that was a fine way to be for me too.
0: Yeah, that guy in Norway is gonna be. I don't know.
6: He's he might be dead. I mean, that was (laughs) fifteen years ago. People don't last that long, Stuart. pay to see me do that I'd probably not you know yeah. I th- I th- so that's just my <laughs> I have a weird perspective on it and that you know was counterproductive sometimes and for the business part of it but sure yeah I mean if that's what I meant you know talking to Jonathan and Megan it's like you people put a lot of faith in you and it's not just money you know like people here work for you you know what I mean mm-hmm yeah. yeah. And so for me, that was always a super heavy thing to be, like, be here. And you act like, oh, we're just having these meetings that everybody has at this conference table that everybody has, right? Yeah. But they're all working for you, like, because they like you or they, or we're told to, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a weird thing, you know, when you have, I don't think I have low self-esteem or I, maybe probably do but when people believe in you enough to hire a bunch of people to work for you you know to sell this record that you made it's heavier you feel responsible or you should feel responsible for all those people yeah working like so that for me was a really hard thing to deal with and it's happening again you know where you're just like oh i gotta do i have to do these meetings right but what you're meeting about is all these other people are gonna work For you, like to help you earn a living or do better, you know? It's intense. You know, you have to think enough of yourself to think what you're about to make or you're making is worth money to somebody. Like, your art is something that's so awesome that somebody else wants needs to pay to own it or hear it right Mm -hmm. and then when you have a child you can't have that I couldn't have that self focus and be a parent like you just I couldn't do it like I don't think you. I mean another I mean it's not like I was making a huge living off it or anything but it's like this is a really good time to stop Yeah, because I need to she needs to be my band like she's my focus like she's my <laughs> project like that it was and i've you know that i'm really proud of being able to stop thinking about myself so much and think about her instead of just you know what do people say about me on the internet or what is yeah how's my record doing yeah same, say do you want your how do you want your apple slice? you want peel on that do you know what i mean like i the day-to-day of not being in a band is awesome oh like i love it yeah I i mean it's super positive i hope i don't sound like it's a negative thing like i it was my choice to do it and i did it and i'm more proud of the person that we're raising than any record I made, I mean by far.
0: Yeah. But I mean she's your new band. So. She's everything. Yeah. yeah. No, I I loved that. Um
6: no, you don't sound But like there's you're... no baby reviews. Like I used to when I was first happening and Tina, my wife was working full time, so I was full time stay at home dad. And I would push her around and I'd be like, Man, I'm just I'm killing this. Like she's asleep we walk for, like, three hours, you know, and I'd be like, there needs to be, like, a fanzine that says I'm doing a good job because I need some <laughs> fucking support. <laughs> where you just need, like, a baby review or, like, a parenting review where, like, you know, your kids' checkups, they'd look at your kids' checkups and they know it's healthy and eating and growing and safe. And yeah. And they'd just be like, yeah, my cucko from... Godhead Ed Salo is totally <laughs> doing a good job. Like, this is way better than their last record, you
0: know? <laughs> it's like Maximum Rock and Roll?
6: Yeah, Maximum Parenting or something. Maximum yeah. Dad. Actually... Uh, Suzanne Vega is my favorite artist of all time. Actually, oh, yeah.
0: is that like a? Has that always been the case? Yeah. since oh. uh,
6: 1987 or so. Uh, I don't think I, I. Yeah, I don't think I've ever uh, known that. I don't. I've been sharing it lately because I'd really like to play bass for her, <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> ah, somebody else. You know, like when we played in Fargo, I made a homemade Suzanne Vega shirt. Thinking, oh, let will just be on YouTube and somebody will tell her, like, this guy just wants to play one song with you, you know, it, once. It, yeah. Ever. And, uh, yeah, it's not an ironic thing, so that makes it really hard in, the you know, the community that we were in, in Olympia. Yeah. If you liked something that was, I, yeah, I don't want to say outside the norm, but, like, normal to like, you would catch shit for it. Or yeah. you had to make it seem ironic. You know, right? And there's nothing ironic about it, and I've always liked it, and but it's been like a not a I mean, I'm embarrassed or a private thing, but it's just like really important to me, and so I've been getting all her records again and listening to them. Yeah, actually. they still make me cry. Like I fucking she's got my number. I can't outplay the guy on the, um, Solitude Standing, that record. The Suzanne Vega band, they're called. They're fucking unstoppable. I mean, <laughs> it sounds crazy to say. <laughs> that is an untouchable record, man. That band. I, dude, and there's some songs on there that are just heavy. Like, it's just drums and vocals. Or, like, just drums, fretless bass, and vocals. And it's fucking... It's heavier than... The Melvins are like, I mean, to me, uh huh, it's intense. Like, it's that record to me is just perfect. Like, there's not a wrong step on that record. Wow, yeah. Oh, the other one I should say so there's Suzanne Vega, which is all time, it's untouchable. That tool record, just that one, hmm, Afronauts, a honky history. <laughs> I <laughs> swear those are my three most listened to things. Fresh styles <laughs> givore, a Mia Mia more. Some people say please mustache don't hurt 'em. Then I just them with my lyrics. <laughs> Ooh, ow, a pow wow, wow, a yippie yo, yippie yay, and all that shit. And actually there's a Mike Melvin song called Read the Label. It's chilly. Those are afternauts dicks. The there's I can every there isn't a day that I don't do Afronauts lyrics
0: um so Afronauts are uh can you explain what Afronauts
6: are well, stepping to the quads like stepping in a casket <laughs> smash your face with a burger basket they or I don't know like I didn't catch the TV show right so I just heard the somebody gave me a CD it was probably James Bertram yeah they stole my Afronauts t-shirt too and they stole all my stuff they got my Afronauts t-shirt yeah, so i love that band like and i that was another one that's hard to because it was like a joke group but it captured this moment that we all have when we're maybe 18 to 20 and we kind of don't really need jobs mm-hmm. and our brains are just on fire like you're just and some people record everything and some people record n none of it, right? They recorded all of it. And some of it rhymed, and some of it didn't.
0: <laughs> milk crate, your full like soda, get on the mic, cause I saw your
6: home yoda. The flow, the flow, it's what I bestow. since you ass down and experience my shit. And watch me get And then I, like I met the I MC milk, milk crate. And, and I'm I'm I was stand stand like, ah, oh, it's your milk crate. And I, maybe it was Mustachio, like, one of the other dudes was there, too. And they didn't want to be associated with it, like, because it was embarrassing to them. And I was just like, man, that that's heartbreaking, because, like, it, I actually really, really, really liked it. Yeah. And, uh... I'd, I mean, and that's, like I say, like, I like things that a lot of other people don't. hmm And that record, like, um it just made me remember that I had that moment in my life as well. Do you know what I mean? Where I'd be like, I mean, it's like a double album, like a honky history. That's got like 40 songs on it, you know? (laughs) And it's about the lunch lady. It's about school. It's about the mall. It's amazing. It's like four friends. None of them are that great at rapping. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But they're into it and they're into each other. And you could tell like that was I mean, it's just like having a band, you know, where like everybody is on point, and in that moment in time is like the exact right time to have that band for everybody in that band, yeah, and then whatever happens to it, like it stops happening and you made this one thing, and it sometimes it's better to only make that one thing than it is to keep going, you know.
2: So I'm back in the room. Stuart's gone. I think it's maybe a coin toss who loves Mike Kunka more. You are Stuart Fletcher at this oh, point. After you spend yeah. so much time working on that interview and editing it. I mean, Stuart, if you're going to interview with Stuart, you better like clear your calendar. because He's going <laughs> to talk to you for a while and you're going to enjoy it. But you're not going to have, you know, what you hear here is just, you know, just a portion. Yeah, it's a just portion, a part of a whole. We're just
1: skimming the top.
2: Which I'm sure is painful for Stuart because the whole interview is great. It's
1: so lovely. You shouldn't
2: speak for Stuart. It's maybe not painful, but I, uh, I hope there's he a lot of good stuff the treatment of in it. a Stewart Fletcher interview.
1: Yes, there is, and Stuart did a wonderful job talking to Mike, and I learned so much about him. And I and just now you love him. I <laughs> is that I meant an it. No, when I said that Mike Kunkka is now my Suzanne Vega, like I cannot get enough. I listened to that interview so many times in editing it, and I just. It was so hard for me to cut any of it out because I just think he is such a wonderful man. I love the way he speaks, and I, the he's so sincere with yeah. what he talks about. His he love reminds Tool. me,
2: yeah. He reminds me of Stewart a little bit, actually. They yeah. have some similarities, but maybe that's a lifelong friend kind of thing,
1: or maybe it's just being from Issaquah. Oh
2: yeah, because it's more, yeah, it's more like I don't think they see each other all that often. They just have similarities. We should tie
1: that together, the
2: Issaquah connection, because there is something in the water out there,
1: honestly. Because okay, so the Afronauts who Mike was talking about, and special thanks to Brady Hall for letting us use oh, that yeah. Afronaut song. Brady Hall, you'll be hearing that name again on this podcast. <laughs> (laughs) But the Afronauts were um, also connected to Jerk Beast, which came up in our interview that we did with Carlos. Right. So there's something something happening, some sort of magic creativity, these Issaquah transplants to Seattle.
2: At least back in the... 90s or whatever at <laughs> least
1: when their brains were on fire <laughs> i think it's still happening though and i i will say that i've been listening to a shit ton of suzanne vega lately and been really into it <laughs> got you he did i had never really listened to her before i had heard like you know the singles that came out that were overplayed and was like whatever not my thing but now i'm way into it
2: well i suppose if you're gonna if you're gonna be that down with Mike Kunkka, you better
1: like some Suzanne Vega. It's all part of my hero worship. And if you know Suzanne Vega and can put her in touch with us, oh, we yes. would love to talk to her. We have some ideas and um, would it's like to hear. Important,
2: actually. Important ideas.
1: It's like from the bottom of my heart. Like, I would really, really appreciate if you have any uh, <laughs> in Suzanne Vega. <laughs> either if, of you. If either of our parents that are listening right now. <laughs> No, Suzanne <laughs> Vega. Hey, Dad, Mom, can you? Yeah,
2: Mom, can you make some phone calls, <laughs> some Facebook posts, anything?
1: All right. Who did what music did we hear today on the we show? We heard Alyssa? some good
2: music today. We heard hunting's "Good Enough." Mm-hmm. Thanks for that opening song, guys. That we never asked you for, but just assumed <laughs> it's fine. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, we heard from Clipping and Chastity Belt and Mike and the Melvins. Mm-hmm and Beat Happening good use yeah, of that one I like that you. I love
1: the Beat Happening
2: um, you can find that playlist and much more on SubHop FM that's our podcast website you can also find so many more good things that we have to say because you just can't <laughs> get enough of it
1: well you get to hear you get to hear from Stuart in the show notes he writes that's the show true. notes every week and they're brilliant and if you hadn't had a, haven't had a chance really to good. check them out they're good
2: underappreciated yeah much like us
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe not underappreciated okay. for good reason <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, but if that's not enough, there's more. There's also Twitter and sub and uh, Twitter and Facebook. How?
1: Yeah, if you want to be an early adopter instead of a fast follower, now is the time because we yeah. don't have many if likes. on the ground floor, <laughs> be able to say you were there first, really, because no one else is there.
2: Subpop podcast, Facebook, and Twitter. <laughs> Please find us. We're just there.
1: Special thanks to Julia, Lydia, Annie, and Gretchen of Chastity Belt and of course to Stuart and Mike Kunka.
2: Thanks guys. Who else do we want to thank? The Sub Pop Brass. Oh yeah, them too.
1: Chris Jacobs, Megan Jasper, and Jonathan Poneman. Ooh, episode nine. Thanks, guys.
4: Yeah, that works. You got love insane.
3: You got the untamed.
0: Untamed.
3: We love Ben Gibbard. Yeah, Um, you know he's just every everything that I thought he would be. Turns out he's a huge, huge Chassis Belt fan. Yeah, childbirth fan too. Childbirth, yeah. He's very supportive. (laughs) Very supportive. Nice, like
5: the nicest guy. There's talk of brunch soon. Yeah, probably go
3: to brunch. Yeah, good brunch.
5: Brunch with Ben.